welcome everybody uh, to episode four of Moscow Mules and Knob Slides. Um, Kyle. Hello, I'm David. And joining us today is one of my good friends for a long time. He may not feel the same way, but I really enjoyed uh, my time spending that I spent with uh, Mr. Dale Robson. Hey, everybody. What's up, Dale? Not much. Just staying safe, staying at home. You got a really nice setup there, Dale. This is probably one of the the nicest little, uh, uh, I don't know, things I've got to see from from this side of quarantine. Uh Uh-huh. For sure. Are you talking about my face or my microphone? (laughs) (laughs) It could be Definitely your face. Oh, well, thanks, guys. Dale's got a nice face. I like your Dale has that microphone, like, like, thinking from his microphone, like he's about to, like, either drop some crazy beats or... Yeah, uh, what musician status. Sibilant tones. If I say potato, it kind of like lowers the spike a little bit. Potato. Potato. Is that how you potato? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, so usually we kick it off to the guests to tell us what's you know, what's on what's what's uh, what are you sipping on? Yeah. So I heard I heard this podcast is called Moscow Mules. Um, I'm not super into vodka, so I made myself a Kentucky mule. Um, I don't have the copper cup, but this is Old Forester Statesman bourbon and some ginger beer, some lime. And I actually plucked this mint from my garden like 30 minutes ago. So super fresh mint. Um, there was like a a spider who wanted to live on it. So I kind of like brushed the spider off, put the mint in my drink. It's delicious. Um, cheers. <laughs> so you're saying it's... you did not drink the spider? No, that's not in the recipe. Okay. No? That's so, <laughs> so what kind of bourbon was that again? This is Old Forester Statesman. So it's uh, it's 95 proof. It's a little strong. And it was a gift for my birthday. And I was like, oh, this must be like one of those like old, old fancy bourbons that like, I don't know, senators from Kentucky drink or whatever and and i went and looked it up and it turns out it's like three years old and it was invented as a tie-in for the uh what do they call it a kingsman movie like i think the third kingsman movie was set in kentucky or something like that so they call it statesman and it's supposed to be like the american version of kingsman that's fancy which kind of like yeah you know like not not the sort of thing i thought it was going to be but it's tasty (laughs) <laughs> so you said you put so when you were explaining your ingredients i used to be a big moscow mules mm-hmm. fan or even even a kentucky and a tequila mule but like so you put mint in that's interesting never, i've never put mint in yeah it was in the recipe and i had mint so i figured it was just that little extra bit of spice so uh, you, you're getting those uh maryland mint julep uh you know recipes ready down there yeah we kind of missed the whole preakness thing yeah. Like we normally would. Like we have the Black Eyed Susans here in Maryland. Oh, that's right. I did it wrong. <laughs> I spent all that time in Maryland. I don't know a damn thing you, about you don't know horse racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was clearly way into horse racing and still am. Oh, man. I was asked to go to Preakness one time and I turned it down because I was like, I've seen videos of like the it's infield a fun party. Um, I mean, I've been where like you dress up. Uh, my wife would wear like a fancy hat. We would bet on the horses and i've been to the infield where it was like 
I don't think I saw a horse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like back when you could like bring your own cooler full of beer and you just bring like sixty beers and sit there all day with your buddies. And I was like, Would I you think a horse pot? race happened. I did not see it. So you didn't. You weren't one of those uh, porta potty racers. That happens. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's just a mess in there because it's crowded. It's hot. It's sunny. Um, yeah. I feel like you avoided that question. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, uh, so I'll, I'll just jump into myself here because my, my beers are getting warm, um, you know, due to, you know, routers, reboots. et cetera. But uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm not really for the gimmicks in beers. Um, that's not really the thing that I do. But I found one of the most, I think, Dale beers to ever Dale. And it's not Dale's Pale Ale. That is a that is a nice little there. That is awesome. That you was gotta step it up, man. Well played. I found a uh, well, not I didn't find. I, I saw on Twitter that uh, Sheets, the gas station Sheets, had paired up with a brewery uh, in Pennsylvania called Neshaminy Creek, and they brewed a uh, hot dog beer. It is a hot dog IPA called Hop Dog. And uh, kind of in the memory of the the sheets runs that we used to do oh, out in uh you know uh, the neighborhood, yeah. Also, sheets is better than Wawa for the listeners. Um, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And then I, I didn't know this podcast was so full of hot takes. Oh, it is hot takes, and also the uh, the hot take for the glass today is battle toes because oh. I remember mm. you know we had a. <laughs> A lot of battle toes action in the office. Now, before you can drink from that glass, do you have to actually beat the jet bike level? You have to beat the jet bike level. Uh, if you can't see the picture, I don't know if we, we have, usually don't post the videos, but the, the logo is, again, uh, another glass from um, Black Ninja Design and the Answer Brewery in, in Richmond, Maryland. Uh, and it's uh, the jet ski. It's, it's just like a still of the jet ski or the, the wave runner level of battle toes, which was miserably impossible. Uh, if anyone had to suffer through that as a child or, you know, as an is adult. This, is this the, uh, you know, 20th class you've got in the last week? Uh, they just keep coming. Uh, someone messaged me on on one of the channels that I use for buying beer glasses. And they were like, hey, did you get that beer glass? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me go check my mailbox. And they were uh, unfortunately referring to a glass that I had already received on like Friday but it was, you know, three days early over Memorial Day weekend. And I, you know, completely <laughs> had no idea what I was doing. But I'm going to, this is a 23 and a half ounce glass. Um, I'm going to fill it with two of these at some point. Because uh-huh. it's supposed to be really good. But I don't know. It's a hot dog beer. We'll see what happens. Is it hot dog flavor? Yeah. What is this? So it's a dry hopped IPA. So it's apparently what I've read about it is it's, it's more along the lines of like a Sierra Nevada. Where it's a little bit sippier of, a, of an IPA. It's in the West Coast style, but it was brewed with a bunch of Sheets hot dogs, the legendary 99 cent Sheet hot dog, which could only be, I think, underpriced by the Costco hot dog, I believe. The fun fact about Sheets is I had no idea Sheets existed until I got to college. From Coming from Ohio, I had no idea what a Sheets was, what an MTO was until I got to college and I was like, this is a glorious thing. I missed out on so much. Was there, was there one in your college town that you could stumble to uh, yeah. after, after when I first went to St. Vincent in Latrobe, there was one right down the road. So, so what's that taste like? West coast, man. Oh, I don't like West coast. I'll be honest. I don't taste any hot dog in this at all. Maybe that'll, it'll mellow out. Uh, he's been replaced by a room. Uh, we'll fill the glass away here. Look at that. 
Oh, am I? No, you're back. <laughs> am I back? You're back. Okay. We didn't lose you. So we'll see what happens. Um, I don't. I don't have you know any other expectations. Ketchup, mustard, relish, anything. I just was hoping to taste taste a hot dog. There's so many. You know, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> There's just so not gonna many. Do it. So I'm going to pass it over to Kyle now. Kyle, what what did you uh, bring along today while I sip on my my wiener beer? Thank you. <laughs> Your wiener beer. So I had a hand crane mm-hmm. for like an IPA. So I made a run to the local uh, hitchhiker uh, brewery today. And I was like, I'm going to pick up their IPA they're releasing. I've had it before. I thought it was good. But obviously I rated it good. And I picked up a couple other ones and I had a, the IPA earlier and I was like, eh, that didn't really, you know, tickle my fancy. So I decided to go with uh, the whole punch coconut cream pie, which is a basically a smoothie sour so it's supposed to taste like coconut cream pie, but you know, it's, it's an IPA. I guess it's the IPA series. The whole punch is the IPA series, right? Yeah. yeah. I was wrong. So the other one, the subsurface is a smoothie sour. So I, I guess it still is IPA. I don't know. We'll find out. Fact check Kyle again. It Fact check Kyle. Which I've been told that we should do a, um, a, a segment. On that. <laughs> Fact check Kyle. So I have a hitchhiker glass. Oh, look at you. You get into that glass game. Did you, did you pick one up while you were there? No, I have. I, I have one from all like, the oh, good hey. local breweries, yeah. So I'm a little jealous. I used to have a like a commemorative glass collection right up until I got married. And now I have like a very elegant, consistent uh, glass collection. What happened to your glass collection? Like, where is it? I, th- I think they're all gone. I don't know. What, what do you mean, mean they're all gone? gone? Uh, you throw them away? Thrown out, recycled, yeah. Just throw it out. You just throw it in the woods. <laughs> I was out. I was out in the woods today. I, I don't know if you've seen my new house since I moved. I live in the forest. And nice. There's definitely. I found like an old tire. I found um, like a weird piece of like plastic sheeting. I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff out there. It's like it's all growing up now. Like all the the thorns and prickers and leaves and stuff. Was it? Either? I was out there trying to clear some stuff up, and I was like, "Oh, there's a tire." Oh, oh all kinds of. All kinds of nature. Cars. There's full cars out there. Like um, my my house is surrounded by a park, so you can kind of just like walk around in the park. And there's like an old truck and an old car and an old <laughs> abandoned, creepy basement house. And I'm like, eh. you found a house on your property that that wasn't your no, house. You, you, um, oh, you oh, like that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, that like <laughs> surprise. You bought two houses. Surprise. <laughs> I went to my that deep backyard cool. and found a pet cemetery. I threw the frisbee over the fence. This was like literally two months ago. Threw the frisbee over the fence, playing with the dogs. I'm like, son of a biscuit. I got to go back there and get it before it like overgrows. On my way back, I picked a different way to come back. And I was like, oh, there's little kitty's gravestone <laughs> in the gra- like one. A- well, Did I didn't. any like Indian artifacts? or I didn't um, spend a lot of time. like that. I was a little, you know, a good day. I was still like, hmm, should probably get move along. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's not a place you want to stay. Sun was eclipsed and it was pitch black. Right. So, <laughs> so this beer tastes like um, coconuts. Obviously. Is it, now the cochino that they do that uh, the the uh, oh. porter I think it's a porter or a stout cochino. Uh, I don't want to, you know, sully their name by giving out bad information, but like, which one is more coconutty, or which one has a better taste to you? So I've I've only had one of those cochinos because I didn't really like it. So 
This one is coconut, but it's like smooth. And it tastes, there's a little bit of that like graham cracker flavor I think you can get from it. Maybe they did condition it on with graham crackers or just thinking about another beer. I mean, they have a picture of coconut cream pie on there, so. I don't know, it tastes. Uh, I trust all pictures, Kyle. It tastes, yeah, so do I. I mean, it's easier than reading. My um, beer but, has a hot dog on the can. So it must have hot Ketchup dog. And mustard. So it's good. It's a, My beer has not hot dog. Name written on it. Where are you? Is there a beer? Is is that a real Dale's Pale Ale beer, or is that just a, a prop can you got going on over here? Yeah, no, you can. Are you, you potentially double this. fisting? Yeah, you want to tell us about well, the Dale's Pale Ale? I mean, that's you should. Yeah, so this when, is your when platform. I heard this podcast. Thanks, guys. When I heard the podcast <laughs> scheduled for an hour, I was like, I need at least two drinks. Um, so Dale's oh, don't worry, Pale we'll Ale. pause. I'll get up and then go get perfect. It uh, this is Oscar Blues Brewery. It's um, a nice six point five ounce ipa or 6.5 percent alcohol ipa appreciate that right and i first picked it up off the shelf because obviously it's called dale's pale ale my name's dale i was like oh well that must be made for me but oscar blues is really good they're from colorado originally they have a new brewery in Asheville, north carolina Um, make all kinds of beers um they make like a double strength version of this called deviant dale's ipa which you can't find I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, I haven't but, seen that either. That's a that's a good question. Like, where did it go? I mean, maybe we should just do a brewery tour. Just head down to Asheville. Oh, take it's this a one. funny story. We, we were take the Asheville. podcast on the road. I think we could. <laughs> the Perfect. three amigos. There's no reason not to. I was in Asheville for like a wedding. And we walk out of the hotel and we're just like, what's this town about? What What's going on? And we hear like a commotion up over the hill. We walk over the hill and Oscar Blues was throwing a like beer festival. <laughs> to kind of like introduce themselves to the neighborhood because they were just constructing their facility there and yeah so it's like nice nice connection to the brewery it's really tasty uh, they make all kinds of really good beers they sure my, wife was, my, my wife was down there in uh, october with her friend they do like a quarterly trip before the pandemic all the time and she's like her friend's big into beer and she's like let's go to Asheville, north carolina i'm like Lucky you. She said she loved it. <laughs> Were you I expecting some... nothing to be down there? Is that pretty much like... Yeah. We're I was going like, to... I was like, why are you woods? just Asheville, Far North away. Carolina. Like, some people like the woods. It's four hours from Raleigh. It's really close to Tennessee. Well, there's really not much out there. We have family down there, right? Or like um, relatives, right? In I have family in Raleigh. So like the... Not quite the east end of the state, but like four hours from Nashville is pretty far. Mm-hmm. It's not close. Mm-hmm. It's bigger DC. So, so you you had mentioned to us like earlier that um, I don't know. I think it was offline before we we got everything kicked off here that you had listened to the the first couple podcasts. Yeah. Did you did you happen to catch the the section of uh, the talk we had with Madison about the World of Warcraft situation, the corrupted blood thing, or corrupted blood? Not, I guess not even the corrupted blood, but like just just to bring this back, like you you were the guy that I had mentioned that yes. did the uh, material hoarding and and economic manipulation. Like, is there any way it you was... can explain that a little bit better than I tried to? I mean, I, I was super into Warcraft, played way more than like a reasonable person would. Had multiple accounts, uh, so I could be- it Was one of them Leroy Jenkins? 
None, none of them were Leroy Jenkins. I no. <laughs> I, I, had, I had one of every character. Um, but like part, part of progressing obviously is like, you know, playing the game. But part of it also is like having resources available. So like having money, things you can buy, things you can trade. So I got really competitive in the auction house, like the economy. And it's weird how there's, I don't know if there was 4,000, 10,000, there, there was thousands of humans on the server that I was playing on. So it's like this weird introduction to the general economy, but really on like a much smaller scale. And my goal I set was to become a millionaire. And I, I think the economy is inflated now and that's not like a, a really high goal, but at, at the point that was like a pretty rare thing to achieve. And there was so many venues to earn money, but it was limited in like the scale. So like you might make a hundred gold a day doing 10 different things. So a thousand gold a day. That's not uh, a lot of gold if you're looking for It's not a lot of gold, especially if you want to get to a million, you know, it's going to mm -hmm. take a year. So like there was all these aspects of like, how can I get more people to buy my stuff? How can I sell my stuff for a higher profit? And there were parts of it that were based on like, oh, maybe I can corner the market. But the trouble with that is like the game provides supply. So if I try to like overprice the market, someone else is just going to like create fresh resources out of the game and then like fill the bottom of the market. Mm -hmm. But you, you could definitely time things like when you thought supply would go up and down. Like a lot of people would only play on the weekend. So I'd buy things on Thursday and sell them on Friday. And it, it sounds silly, but it was like a free 20% markup for all the weekend players. And then when like patches would come out and the game would adjust, certain things that used to be cheap would suddenly become precious. And if you read the patch notes a week ahead of time, you would like stockpile all that stuff. Oh my and I don't know, I had like cash cow, um, like, like every day I would sell 16 slot bags. You could put like 16 items in there and I would sell them for, I don't know, like 10 gold a piece, but I would sell like 50 of them. And I would do it every day of the week, just guaranteed 500 gold every day of the week. <laughs> and, and like when I was sitting next to Dave, I would tell him these stories. I'm like, yeah, man, I made 500 gold. <laughs> and it gets to be a little silly because like when you craft an item, it says this item was crafted by whatever my character's name was. I had one called like Mala Mala. I had one called Llama Llama because the, the syllables were swapped. And <laughs> I, would, I would like jump into chat and be like, if your bag isn't made by Mala Mala, then your bag's stupid. Because <laughs> you know all the cool kids. And it's like the weirdest stuff, but like people will get into it and you're like, oh, I've got a Mala Mala bag. You know, <laughs> like, like it was like a Tory Burke On or something. a video game. <laughs> yeah, and people would get into it. And um, I mean, let's be fair, I do this in the real world with shoes, right? Like, I know, I right? Those. You're like, oh, like, like you, you don't have the, the Jordan, the Air Jordan, Air, Air Force Ones, like, your shoes are crap. Like what you are you walking around in? Don't you know. couldn't like knit your name into like the the mala mala bag though, right? You couldn't if, like if you create it and sell it, it still says who made it. Oh, okay, okay. You social oh. engineered people to believe the mala mala bag was oh. the shit. That is so <laughs> yeah. good. There were so many so many aspects of that where like like I would have scripts where it would just say like if you get on the auction house, you search and sort by lowest price, and something costs like. 10 bucks i would jump on there and sell it for 9.99 and then someone else like five minutes later jumps on and sells it for 9.98 so i jump back and like just repeat that stuff like have your stuff always be the cheapest stuff but like there there was one point where you could like um 
you could use inscription and craft like this little like lottery ticket. And it was like, <laughs> I don't know, it was like a 10% chance that if you open the ticket, you make like a hundred bucks and I could make them for like 900 gold or something like that. So like, uh, w whatever made the math work out like 90 gold. And like, I would just like shout, they're like, Hey, everybody come and buy my magic lottery tickets. And, and basically like the, the money was a, just a little bit upside down where I was still making a profit. It was still making sense for me to like keep doing this all day long. And <laughs> Lama Lama's it, lucky lottery tickets. It, it was the I weirdest thing though, because like like you have to wait for a person to want the thing you're making, which is why I was in like so many diverse markets. Mm -hmm. But they had uh, they had some stuff where like the NPCs, like just the computer software characters, would buy unlimited quantities of your stuff. So every once in a while, I would find these opportunities in the market where like someone was selling it for cheaper than I could just basically turn around and sell it straight to the vendor. And I would buy like, like there, there was a, a thing you could do with serenite, which was like a, I don't know, like iron ore or like gold ore or something like that. You could take your serenite and turn it into gems and sell the, sell the byproducts of that. And I could buy it for like 18 gold and sell it for 22, which doesn't sound like much. It's four gold, this, this but I could do it a thousand times a day. <laughs> and I would just buy all of it for 18, sell all of it for 22. And you don't have to wait for like a human to care. You could just like crank the crap out of that market. And oh man, I made so much gold while that was like a thing you could do. It was, it was. So when, when you said that you like wrote scripts for that, like how did you figure out, was there like an API that you could hook into or did you have to? There were rules, there were rules about scripting, but um, it was basically like take whatever the first item in this bag is and trade it to the vendor type of stuff and then resort your bags to have like something be in your first slot. And I could macro that to like constantly fill it in. And then it's just like hold down a key to automatically send commands. Cause some of those, like if I had a thousand stacks of Serenite, I'd have to hit the key. I don't know if it was like 1000 or 2000 or 3000 times, but that's pretty boring. So could I would you just pop out and a button. Could, could you put it out in like key bindings away from the game or did you have to like figure out how to, you had to be in the game. It? But yeah. with two accounts, you could be using one of them to run that, which might take an hour, and a second account to do something like actually entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> how long did it take you to become a millionaire in the game? And yeah, did you succeed? I guess that's a good I did question. succeed. Um, I should check because I I would like take screenshots, and they're probably up on Facebook because like back then my <laughs> friends cared about it. Uh, but it was probably like half a year of effort when I like set the goal to like actually achieving it. Gosh, were yeah, you I, like one of the first or you just No, there, there were other goal. people. Um, like we were on, we had like our wikis and our forums and stuff uh, of like people that would like work out the deals and see like what, what would make sense. And like some of them even had like the, you could like have Barker scripts where you would like shout out, like if your bag isn't made by Mala Mala, then like, the silliest stuff, but like, oh, like all, all these things make you like 5% more efficient. It's just a little bit better. And it's, it's a little informative to like the economy as a whole, you know, which I, I like to think that I like gained some permanent, like actual benefit from doing all that effort. Oh, so, somebody <laughs> remembers you though. Someone remembers that guy, that, that, that carnival barker. Oh my gosh. In the auction house that was trying to get me to buy a bag. They know you. The, the mala mala bag. Someone knows Not how to know, the right? bag. The mala mala yeah. bag. Um, you should look for that on eBay. 
right? I'm sure that's like, we could, this might be a good idea, this mala mala bag. But I mean, Designers. just that sort of like create demand, um, like the more people you can get involved in the market, the more like heat the market has. Because there's some stuff where I would make it and I would sell one item like a month for a giant profit, but it's, it's only one a month. And there's the other ones like the, that four gold a second. Like I could do that one all day long. Whereas like once a month, it's like, you're, you're never going to reach your goal. It's sort of a, a neat, neat lesson to learn. So you're saying there was no reverse engineering happening there. You just reverse engineered the economy. I think sometimes the patch, uh, like some of the patches would be uploaded ahead of time for play testing and people would reverse engineer the data files and say, oh, you know, this is an opportunity and this is a detail that changed. So when you say people would reverse engineer it, would, does that include yourself? Like, did you, I don't know not, if you. Not really, because a lot of it, you could just get on the forums and see it. Some of those files were really big. Okay. I guess to give like a little bit of background, when I first started uh, into reverse engineering, Dale was the teacher of the class that I took. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't know each other at all. I ended up in the class and then I ended up working with Dale on a project. Uh, a couple months later, I think, and then we worked together for probably like five years at, at, at the firm. Yeah. So it was it was a good time. So you didn't reverse engineer any of that stuff. Like you had a ton of experience by then. Like you were you were shoving yeah. ARM and PowerPC and x86 binaries at us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the class. Um, I first got interested. Yeah, how did in you get into engineering? Yeah, all right. From playing Final Fantasy VI, so it was still involved with video games, and. Final Fantasy VI, I don't know if people have played Final Fantasy games. They're super detailed and involved and have all sorts of stuff going on. And someone had written like a walkthrough for Final Fantasy detailing like the memory address that contained the attribute that recorded some like important aspect of the game times like 100. So if you wanted to know like, oh, I have these five characters. What's the strength of the first one? What's the intelligence of the second one? those were all documented in this thing. And I was like, how'd this guy figure this out? Like, what, what does all this mean? And some of it would be like, if you got really good at the game, you could have a strength of 256 or 255. And in my head, I was like, well, that's a weird number. Like, why is, huh. why is that important? And it's like, hmm. I didn't know what an 8-bit number was at the point I was getting interested in this stuff. But I was really into that game. And I was like, I'm gonna learn all, all the details of what's going on in here. <laughs> I don't know if Dave's oh. video froze, but it was just him looking stunned for like a minute. We're back. Yep. 255. Yeah, and I mean, it just kind of carried forward from there. I, I remember when I was teaching the class and we were teaching ARM and I was like, well, what's a good way to get an ARM hardware in front of the students? Because we only had like Windows PCs. So I got a Virtual Boy Advance. It's a Game Boy Advance emulator. And we were super careful about like distributing licensed stuff. So I went and wrote like a ping pong game <laughs> for Game Boy. And you can like basically print it to a ROM and load it in the emulator and play Pong. And the students were like, I was probably so boring that the students thought that this Pong game was more interesting than like actually paying attention in the class. So like, I would come around and be like, hey, did you get that section? Like, do you have any questions? And I'd look at his screen and he's just like playing Pong. You know? <laughs> and, not and me, I, I this already, is somebody I was, else. Not Dave. 
Not me. Definitely it's, not it's, great. it's like I'm already anticipating, like, I don't want this to be too tempting. I, I should find like the most boring game possible. And they're like, no, still, still less boring than watching those lectures. <laughs> Your lectures were good. They weren't boring. But that one was fun. I, I remember the, the goal of that one being to uh, just every time your opponent scored, make your score go up instead of theirs. Yep. That was that was basically the lesson there. And it wasn't that hard to find once you were able to like run time, uh, debug it and and watch it. Yeah, and a lot of those emulator too. programs had like memory <laughs> snapshotting and debugging built in. So it was really nice. So so you're saying that Final Fantasy VI is what got you into reversing and not like anything in college or I was into security or... in college. Um I think I, I took an assembly class as a general elective. Like you couldn't even learn assembly in my computer science program. And I was like, well, it's probably going to be important. I really ought to learn it. So I, I actually burned a general elective taking assembly. And I did VAX assembly. I did MIPS assembly. A little bit of x86. Later on, I did 68K. Um, really, none of, none of those platforms are around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, no, got some no one, you got mips yeah um, nobody's banging down your door to, to do vax uh, re, uh reverse engineering huh but I, I don't i graduated in 2001 so almost 20 years ago and mm. just a career in security kind of didn't exist as a career path back then you know like you didn't you didn't like no. major in in cyber and then walk out to like a, a giant high-paying job so I, I graduated and became a database implementer. We actually wrote a database engine in my first job and the database engine would crash. And I was like, well, we can't figure out why we don't have the debugging information. And I ended up um, swapping out its entire, uh, it was written in ADA, uh, but the equivalent of like your libc implementation. So like the entire base library of all of your like functions like read, write type of stuff. Um, like took apart that library, swapped out the function that was crashing with the one with all this debug instrumentation, stitched it all back together, loaded it up in the system, got it to run and like actually got like a real stack trace and we got debugged like the next day. And everyone was like, holy crap, how, how did you do that? And I'm like, oh, this library is just like a collection of objects. And if you like <laughs> take a look at the objects, you can like pick apart this one and see what it does and swap it with that one. And yeah, I mean like, we we ended up using that on like real you know paid work like all the time so you're saying you kind of like patched you put your own patch to like jump to like some other area and then just kind of dump information yeah. that you're looking for i um i bypassed like i basically put like a trampoline in there bypassed one of the function calls to like go out and then go back and call the real one but you know just like swapped out one of the but in like in 2001 there wasn't like you don't just like hop on a forum and have someone explain that to you. It was it was almost like inventing the concept. Uh-huh. I was going to say like when did when did that become like a thing like where people I mean I have I have the rootkit arsenal and practical malware analysis books behind me but like what was there any anybody that was writing that kind of material back in like early or 2000 other than like what open RCE what were the forums that Yeah, I mean forums? how do you even get to think to do that? Like, I don't know yeah, if I was yeah. even on those. Like I was thinking of like Woodman and Fravia and OpenRCE. Um, I'm sure there was text files, like like Hacker, like Frack and whatever mm -hmm. magazine. Um, I'm sure I was inspired. Like I, 
I don't think I invented the concept of like swapping an object out of a library. Probably not. I mean, like, but, you just, but you just have to just learn. Like read, read the compiler documentation. Yeah, exactly. Documentation. You know? I know, I know what these opcodes do, and I can write my own opcodes in. So, like, there wasn't. Did you have to like turn off memory protection or anything, or could you just like mess with it just on disk as it was back there then in two thousand one? I mean, it wasn't. Like that's old stuff. I'm assuming, right? That we, was we wrote it know. ourselves, so it's like we could have signed it if we needed to. Um, but it, no, like we, <laughs> we took apart the like libc. So basically it was just, it was an archive, which is just like a, a tarball of like object files. So I would extract it, take out the one I want, swap it with a different one, put it all back together. Um, and then collect, yeah, your, I mean, collect your pets on the back and high fives, right? Yeah. Uh, it, so, so the bug itself was, um, we could, it would, it would always crash at midnight, but it would always crash in a different library. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever written an ADA. ADA has... Um, nope. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, right? It, it was for like a, an old DoD project. And ADA, you can say like, this is an integer, but it's only... Uh, it contains the number of seconds in a day, and it's only allowed to be between zero and... I forget, it's like 86,400 or something like that. And in the last half of the last second of the day, the number of seconds would round up to like 86,401 seconds. And the runtime would be like, that's not, I can't write that number in this value. It's greater than the maximum value and it would crash. So our timestamp logging would crash at midnight, like real clock time. And whatever subsystem decided to write to the log would cause it to crash oh okay. we get these logs it's like we had a crash in the logistics thing we had a crash in the networking thing we had a crash in the disk thing and it was always a different system always at midnight and just it's just whatever uh, on the rtos had priority to to be running at, at exactly point, right? yeah so like yeah. whatever whatever was running in the last half of the last second of the day and <laughs> wrote a log entry which didn't happen every day uh and we would like we would camp out we like we, we can't get it to run in the middle of the day it only happens at midnight we're gonna like work second shift we're going to be there at midnight we're going to watch it happen we're going to catch it and none of that it was just like we basically said in the in the logging function please write me a stack trace of what thing crashed and it turned out to be the logging function was crashing itself <laughs> yeah punchline. awesome <laughs> so i told you that story to tell you this story yeah it, sometimes it was... this stuff is you know over engineered and complicated to tell you oh, some yeah. stupid answer like that but then I like I stripped out printf and replaced it with this optimized like hand coded write function that was like a thousand times faster and you know just the stuff you do. <laughs> I knew what was up. Different world. I mean, two thousand one was almost the cusp of it all. Yeah, two thousand one. I, mean, kinda... I had an RA that had like a supercomputer, like mm -hmm. made out Xboxes. You know what I mean? And then he oh, went yeah. on to like have a company called Deja Vu Security, which is web app stuff. And they recently just sold it to Accenture, right? Or, you know, it was oh, acquired by, you know, sort of from the dormant days of. Cluster. But yeah, like we didn't think we could get careers in that. So like I got into the just regular application development and eventually the program had um, an anti-tamper component, which was like, once we publish this, how do we make sure people don't mess around with it? Uh, like, how do we protect it from being reverse engineered? And that's how I got into reverse engineering was just basically like, if I need to know how to protect this, I need to know how to attack it first to kind of cover all those bases. 
and just read all all the books all the articles all the forums all the everything you could get um, your, your, your memory is pretty good too so you know um, you that's only, an you, understatement i i heard you only have to read things once usually i i don't kind of reading is hard i mean some of it blasco doesn't like, blasco doesn't even read his emails i'm like did you see the email that came he's like no re reading is hard I don't even know if I got an email. As long as there weren't inline responses to that email, you know, there was a higher chance of me reading it. That's a great, that's a great segue real quick. Dale, are you an inline email responder? So like, instead of putting it at the top of the document, you just like put things in the middle? Yeah, like if I have a question in my like, you know, in, in your response, almost, you put it. Almost never. There, there's a Thank couple God. times where like, we try to group edit a document by reply alling to it. Which, <laughs> do you which do for that? some people it just like lights a fire in their brain. Is that like, a troll move or is that just because you're trying to get, you know, some utility out of I, I have some coworkers where like every time the circumstance comes up, they like, just so you know, you can do like shared office documents. Like, here's <laughs> here's a link to the right way to do this. Nope. We have some we have some yeah. coworkers who are wholeheartedly inline repliers to the point where like I don't even email them because they're gonna inline reply and then when they inline reply I never respond back. It's it's fine like you you do you but like it's really hard for me to read. I don't like to read. I'm looking for keywords as I scan like your reply but like if I see my text and then nothing else like I pretty much you know can't find the things I'm looking for. A couple of people that will like, they'll change the color and they'll mention up at the top, like, hey, you had 10 questions. I put an answer below each individual question. Here they no. are. <laughs> no, no, It makes it, my mind explode. Yeah. Because the other one would be like, you go and ask 10 questions and they replied to two of them. And they're like, cool, send. And you're like, hey, man, there was like eight <laughs> questions you didn't get to. Or like, like you just said yes and yes, but for what? What question are you responding to? You know, see my responses I mean, below. I, I just hate it. I hate it. It, it bothers <laughs> Kyle, me. It burns my soul. Before, like, my soulless I, body. Kyle wants to know when it is going to be okay. I've seen him him post this before, and it's it's a good thought. When will it be okay for us to reply to office emails and gifts? If I can, if like they start uh, adding that feature to. Yeah, but if they add that feature to like Microsoft Office, I will reply to every email, even to my boss, with a GIF. 100%. Hey, you, know, you know, if you get that email like, hey, can you stay late to do, you know, to work on that thing that, that we need to get done? And you just send them the Michael Scott GIF of him going like, no, with like all the O's. Just going, you no! need a lumber. Like, I'm going to need you to come in this weekend. But, uh, yeah. I, I think the newest version of Outlook 365 finally stopped the like mega reply alls. So Someone's like if you reply all to a distro with a hundred people and it's been reply all to in like the last minute, it just says like, no, I'm not going to do it for you. I, you know, it's, it's not so, it's not so bad at a smaller company, but I remember when we, when, when Dale and I worked together at the same place and it was, you're sending a reply all to thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. We, we would joke like it ought to be like a retention test. But if like you're the person who replies all, yeah, just get fired. Like, <laughs> We'll just like, we'll script it in with the HR system and like you hit reply all in a minute later, like, no, thanks for your service. I always love the person that replies all on top of the reply all that says, please don't reply all. Yeah. <laughs> no, someone's got to point out the right way to do it. 
but only does it themselves when they to everybody. Do hey, it. man, well, you know, critical thinking isn't isn't a skill applied to everybody. That's that's just the way it is. And neither is reading. <laughs> <laughs> neither do man. Reading is so hard. I feel oh, like man. like I've been at home for a couple months now, and I've watched. 200 hours of like training lessons and read like <sighs> it's so hard Just so it's different and you y'all got different rules down there in in maryland than we have in pennsylvania so can you can you go into your office are you allowed in sort i mean i'm classified as essential and a lot of it is just demand based so like i could show up um there's like you know you get your temperature taken and some other stuff like you're supposed to self-quarantine if you think you're sick um, I already had a solo office, so it's like I would just be sitting by myself anyway. But <laughs> the the real guidance was like, stay safe unless there's like a real reason to show up. Just don't don't just show up for the heck of it. So I'm going in next week for the first time in two and a half months, I think. Oh wow! There's like finally a, like a justification to show up. Oh, you do. Mm-hmm. We need justification. Do you know that we can't just show up. Oh yeah, well, I would like to pick up some hard drives. Uh, we've. I think we've had... you can do. Th- I think you have to like ping Ed, who pings someone else, like, and then they say okay. Yeah, I'm looking for a bunch of old like legacy ar- uh, archive work, and I think it's on a hard drive that somebody passed me. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know because I don't have a hard drive. So. Womp womp. We just we're just in a different world. Or you're ready to get back. I'm ready to never go in the office again, but like once a week. I worked from home for a couple of years and. I feel like I'm an introverted person, but I can't handle not seeing anybody, not chatting with anybody, not like doing, like, like not getting out of the house. I That's almost like an understatement because I remember like the days where I would just, our, our cubes used to be across a, a hallway and I would turn to Dale to ask him some question about the binary I was looking at, or just even just some life question in general. And we'd end up talking for like four hours in an open cube space and just, yeah. you know, it kind of, it kind of would go off the rails. <laughs> Yeah, so like it was, it was kind of like a walking hallway, and I remember the cubes were only what like four feet tall. So like I had an opening, then a hallway, then you had an opening. I could just see you like kind of straight across. And we had a coworker who was like on the other side of your four foot tall cue ball, mm-hmm. who would pop his head out like the the dude from like the Tool Time mm-hmm. show, and just like his eyes would like pop up and like that reminds me. Oh! That tells me, man, that guy, there, there's a guy that we should go. The there's always that also. guy. There's all, dude, that guy. He, he had seen it all. <laughs> I mean, I worked like, in a similar space to you. Bell Labs with Kernigan and Ritchie. Oh, and yeah. We he, were yeah, in 15 C. He was like an OG uh, hacker, I think, or researcher or scientist. Like, he seemed like a super smart dude that, you know, I, I think like the tagline for him ended up in the office being like, the dude has a lot to say about everything. And you could just start a conversation. He just sidles. I was like, oh, I remember, just like Dale said, Kern- I used to work with Carnegie and Richie. Yeah, and there was so there was back a- when we were inventing C and oh, Unix man. and the transistor and also everything. And he and he Here's would find how like, a socket works. Oh, no, it'd be yeah. terrible. It'd be even worse than that. Do you remember vacuum tubes? <laughs> You're like, oh no, don't do it, don't do it to me. We used to have screen scrapers. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh no, God. it's happening. Like I dropped my stack of punch cards. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes I feel old and I'm like, no, there's like a whole generation. There's there's some strange people that work where we all used to work. Mm-hmm. I was a govy and I saw some of them and it was like, whew. I you know, the joke that they always put the smart people in the basement so they don't come out you know, unless they're leaving or coming or going. There were some some really great minds and other people that were <laughs> 
time vampires. <laughs> energy vampires. Uh-huh. Energy vampires. Energy vampires. Man. So, uh, how, are you are you finished with that bourbon? It looks like you are. I'm down to the mint. I'm going to have to go back to my Dale's pill. Are you going to chew that mint? A little bit. I don't know. It probably didn't come through on the mic, but I've definitely been eating the mint. <laughs> Some people this might is, like ASMR. Fresh, or fresh ASMR. Mint, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a. I need another beer. <laughs> you pausing? You get a pause. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pause and then go around and get another beer. I'll be right back. Right. Oh, sure. So, so what about like like work now? So you you gave us like the the good history. So what what do you what are you working on now? Yeah. So um, a lot of like vulnerability discovery. I've I've been doing reverse engineering forever, like 20 years, and sort of the opposite of guided, informed, like vulnerability finding is sort of naive like just brute force vulnerability finding like fuzzing and i had no idea like fuzzing has gotten way more advanced than it used to be it used to be like if you had a a four byte number it would try all four billion options and get get itself nowhere um but i'm i'm looking into american fuzzy lop which i looked up it is a rabbit uh an extremely fuzzy rabbit but there's a piece of software called afl it's by google and it's an excellent fuzzer. And the way it basically scales is you just throw more computer resources at it. So instead of needing like a professional reverse engineer, you just rent cloud space or buy buy servers. And I started looking into buying uh, servers and I was like, oh, you know, like a a 24 core server costs like, I don't know, a thousand or 5,000 bucks. And I, I started looking to like old refurbished servers and it turns out I can buy a 12 core server for 120 bucks, 10, 10 bucks a core. <laughs> on the, on the cloud? No, no, I straight up bought it. Oh, you should. With, with cash, shipped to my house for free for $117, 30, 32 gigs of RAM, 12 cores. And what, wait a minute, time out. <laughs> so, so before when I was this like, is this is more Dale's shopping on like Alibaba, right? Dale's, this was Amazon, yeah. I, I, I don't like, believe well, that. Can I, get, can I get like a forty-eight core server? And they're like, no, that's like six thousand bucks. And I'm like, can I buy four twelve core servers? They're like, yeah, that's under five hundred dollars. Just, just where's your credit card? So I, I ordered a whole bunch of these things. Uh, I need a and, link to this because I feel like I need one of these. Yeah, yeah. Like, like now that I've bought them, I don't mind if you buy the rest of the supply. But uh, <laughs> it was a great deal. Dale has not cornered the market on. See, see, th- this is a full circle. This is a full circle yet because like <laughs> it's called from the World of Warcraft, like manipulating the market to figure out the who buys it for a hundred and twenty dollars. That's ridiculous. It was silly because it's it's thirty two gigs of RAM. So like I had a server that I bought years ago, and I was like, oh, it doesn't really have enough RAM. Let me buy some RAM. And RAM was like fifty sixty bucks, and I was like, I had to just buy a whole new computer. For 120 bucks, it's already got 32 gigs of RAM. It's already got like four RAID, you know, 10,000 RPM disks. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's um, it's gonna be fun. You're just gonna fuzz. You're just gonna fuzz something for fun and profit, or is this like a work work thing? It it's generally a work thing. Okay. Um, stuff's been a little weird with like what we can do from home the last couple months. But yeah. A yeah. lot of it, um, our, our guidance is basically like be smart, learn skills, that sort of thing. And I was oh. like, oh, well, I don't know much about fuzzing. Let me let me catch up on this stuff. Cal, huh. do you want to do you want to uh, pivot off to any of the cert tools? Like like I don't know. 
I mean, I know we have like we uh, may be able to help you out at cert. Oh, sweet. Uh, nice. Dorman and Ed Schwartz are big into the fuzzing world. I mean, so is mm -hmm. former David Warren. I think Trent even does a little bit of it. But I know uh, as Schwartz, I mean, Dorman and uh, Alan, I guess, also built their own tool called Buzz, which is like a fuzzer for. I'm not. I'm a. It's called Buzz. It's. <laughs> I'm not going to. I don't know. Check Kyle. Yeah, fact check Kyle time. But it's out there on the SCI GitHub. All right. Or the CERT GitHub. Check it out. It's called Buzz. And I, I'm not going to misstate it. I know it's for yeah. like. Yes, you are. Please do. Do it. Yeah, I'm just going to misstate it. Whatever. I think it's for Linux binaries specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's, I mean, they built and it's still used and people still download it all the time. And I know Edge Schwartz does a lot within the fuzzing world. And I know. Back to Kyle time. I'm pretty sure he worked on the uh, Mayhem, which was built oh, by nice. For All Secure, yep. the big fuzzer. I think he was part of that. Like he worked on that, and I think that's what he does now. I think that's what he does. Like he tries to build the canonical fuzzing. I'm not fuzzing. Kalik. Yes. Sweet. <laughs> yes. Kalik. I, like, I like colonic better. I think that's a better yeah. way to go. Yeah, colonic. That's if, that's if I had to do. make a fuzzer. Yeah. Uh, so it's. <laughs> It's a contraction of concrete and symbolic. Yes, thank you. So there, there would be times you would analyze the execution flow and it would say like, argument one must be not zero, but it also must be a string and it must have a length of less than 10. Like, like you could kind of parameterize that symbolically. And then as you start adding, like it must be not zero and 10 and blah, blah, blah. You're, your um your predicate like your your conditional true and false phrase suddenly becomes much 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 larger and you eventually like can't solve it symbolically anymore you might have like a thousand predicates that you must satisfy and it, it becomes like a three set problem which is i don't know if you guys are super cs nerds but like it's it's a, a provably hard problem to solve so you, you instead just say like well let me concretely just like throw random stuff at it and you kind of alternate back and forth between concretely trying stuff and symbolically reasoning about stuff. And it, it's a very clever way of handling it where it's like you can gain insight of the software and also like not need to have like a, a human's eyes on the software at the same time. You can kind of do it with software, uh, software hacking software kind of deal. And I think that's what some of the for all security original like like when they were back doing the cyber grand challenge, that's a lot of what they were working on. Was that yeah, I think, I think our, our colleague Ed Schwartz was part of that. I know David Bromley, who used to run yeah, Scilab and ran that, he was Ed Schwartz's PhD advisor. So yeah, do you work with him or you guys ever seen him? I've, I've, I've had conversations with him before. I feel like he's been the PhD advisor of like a thousand people and it was just really good to get in um involved in all sorts of things so we, we worked with him on probably like five different projects oh yeah oh yeah like he he was involved in everything i, I haven't talked with him in a while but i haven't yeah, seen I haven't, him in a while i think he's on like a sabbatical because there's Lori craner's head of scilab now and uh so she's running the scilab now um i'm not sure what they would probably say but i mean i'm not a fuzzer but i know those people on our team do it and mm -hmm. written tools and they're still used. I think Will still uses his consistently all the time. Uh, his, the one him and Alan built the yeah, I, Buzz. 
I think that's the advantage, though, is like you can just Something. run it, just turn it on, and maybe it comes up with something interesting, and maybe it takes a week or a month, but it doesn't take attention or effort. You just turn it on. Yeah. So yeah. if you are to hook us up with, with hook you up with any of those people, or Happy like any other work, yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. I don't think we're looking for a payday or anything. They, they could be future you know, guests. Trying to be smart about you know less work across cyberspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we want to we want to get uh, as many people on here as possible. I mean we have oh, we're yeah. booked out we're booked out through August. We're doing one a week oh, wow. right now. Well, yeah. You can come back. Do you want to come back sometime? Talk yeah, about have, you know, we'll, we'll have you back. Corner in the market on you know I don't know. Did you know the uh, fun fact about Dale? He was the top American finner, finisher at the Australian Ironman uh, in what, 20, 2011? There we go. Yeah, that's, I, I think there was two of us and we'll, the other guy didn't finish. So <laughs> I kind of just defaulted into a win there. <laughs> Wait, what's the Australian Ironman versus like the main they Ironman? Have a couple. I did Ironman Cairns, which is like where the Great Barrier Reef is. Um, it was fun. It was a lot of work. Uh, I was gonna say nothing about Iron Man to me defined as fun, but to each their own. So what's what's yeah. the mileage for each of those uh, legs of that race? Oh boy, it is. Um, you start off with a two point four mile swim, which originally this was done in Hawaii, and that's like the width of the Waikiki Harbor. Uh, it's like a hundred and twelve mile bike, which is the circumference of Honolulu. And then a marathon, which is like 26 miles. Uh, was it as miserable as <laughs> it was hard? Uh, I mean, so, like, did you, like, like when did you want to quit? Like, what point oh were you like, God. this is the worst? And I, why did I ever do this? Uh, like a week into training, and then like a year <laughs> later when the race happened. Um, it's one of yeah, those, how long like, did you train? You said a year out you started? Yeah, so uh, probably longer. It's one of those deals where like you have to get fit enough to do the workouts to get fit enough to do the event i remember <laughs> dale leaving our office and being like i have to go on a 20 mile run i'll be back in, in like two hours yeah i was never a good runner either i wasn't uh i didn't enjoy running i kind of enjoyed biking i was kind of good at swimming i never uh, loved running to, to give an asterisk also never. dale also always completed his hours <laughs> that, that was actually the hardest thing right there was like um you come back after you after you run 20 miles and you shower and you get back in the office and you're like oh yeah 20 at the office no probably not i mean hey listen someone's gonna think you ran 20 miles 16.9 trouble was like (laughs) like, 6.9 you work eight hours you probably commute a couple hours because that's how maryland goes and and then you're like well i'm also working out it was 20 hours a week which is about like three hours a day kind of on average but then you still need to sleep like really like nine hours you can't even do eight like you can't you can't skimp on that stuff and that was probably the hardest which is like there's just not that many hours in the day it's just like how do you keep friends with people how do you like see people do stuff so do you do any of this now do you do any biking running no, that was now? i i did an iron man in 2006 i did one in 2012 and part of it was i, I did it the second time just to be like it wasn't a fluke like i, I didn't like accidentally succeed or something like let me do it again but it's tough like if you have a family if you have like any kind of responsibility iron man is such a demanding type of activity i i don't even think i miss it like like 
you would have to work out you'd have to do workouts on days where you're like i i'm tired i'm hurt i'm unmotivated do it anyway and like it teaches a little bit of willpower you know but when do you ever recover resentment you know what i mean like how do you recover if you're like what's the schedule right yeah so um i wouldn't do the same activity like twice in a day i would i wouldn't do a hard run followed by a hard run i do like a hard run followed by a bike or something like that um but some of it is like like part of part of succeeding in that is just getting tough enough to like do the workouts back to back to back to back to back to back to back uh i know i did like weight for months <laughs> just to like get stronger knees because like my knees were always screwed up that type of thing but there's also like ice baths compression socks protein drinks uh extra sleep gel packs you're drinking goo while you run yeah that stuff goo with caffeine mm-hmm. uh, i remember i when i went to australia they have like import rules about like you can't bring organic material so i had like protein powder which was like ground up nuts or something like that i don't know what was like the original ingredient was but they're like oh man we're gonna have to send this through like customs <laughs> and <laughs> And I get to the I get to the race start and I'm like, here's my American approved helmet. And they're like, well, you're not in America. <laughs> Is this an Australian approved helmet? And I'm like, no, I guess it's not. <laughs> do, I have to go, do I have to go buy a new Were the Aussies now? that backwards in 2012? They, well, like we have ANSI, like the American National Standards Institute. Like, you, like Europe has a different standard. Or yeah, I mean, so, obviously, like, they, yeah. they each have their own. Um, uh, it, it was a fun event. Um, there was saltwater crocodiles, I guess was probably oh. the scary part, which... Uh, While you're swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was last really goes scared. out. Swim faster, bro. I'm, I'm done. Sharks. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm swimming in the Pacific Ocean. There's going to be sharks. They're like, there's no sharks. They got chased away by like the alpha predator of these saltwater crocodiles. Yeah, they're like turtles. Nine meters long. And I was like, oh, that's that's 27 foot crocodile. That's 27 foot crocodile. Yeah, we, we land in the airport and you're walking along the jetway and like you start looking to your left and there's like a crocodile tail and you take like five more steps and there's like a crocodile leg and you take five more steps and there's a crocodile teeth and you're like, oh no, that's a life-size crocodile. It's, <laughs> it's like 10 paces long. Like It's the same crocodile. <laughs> yeah. They were, I don't know, I never saw them. Uh, we saw them on the run. They were like hanging out in the, the sugar cane fields. Just like I didn't s- see them on sunbathing the out in sugar. Yeah. Oh, that sounds. It it turned into a job. I ended up um, Mm -hmm. after Dave and I worked together. I worked for an Australian company. I guess two jobs later, but um, that was that was definitely like part of a networking thing. Was like I've been to Australia. I know where this is. I've been over here and see these people and done this stuff. Oh man, I forgot about I forgot about that middle job. That's probably a podcast for another day. Mm -hmm. I'd like to I'd like to pull that thread a little bit, and we can you know we can talk about that in the in the future because that was. Your your time there was probably a uh, I don't know documented time that I don't know if you could talk about it or not but we you know being generic That's about it. I, I think like you guys were saying on a previous podcast like it's all kind of a big circle like you bump into the same people you see the same community yep. you like talk about you, the same stuff you sure do and I didn't believe that for a second when I first started mm-hmm. and here you are. I don't know, 15 years later for me, 14 years later. And I mean, it's like, it is like we talked about last week with Dina. It's like her network's so strong, but like everybody's has like a little strong network in it. Like you're like, 
do I want to quit my job during the pandemic? Probably not. But if I did, I could like, and I could, or if I got fired, I could find another job from someone or I got laid off or something because I, our network is strong that I could reach out and at least get an interview somewhere within 24 hours. Right. You know, and thank goodness you're not like a fresh out of college and you're just kind of like stuck in, in that whole world. I, I had students that, that kind of ran into that situation where they're like, oh, we had, um, we totally had uh, an internship lined up and then it got pulled because of the pandemic because the company doesn't know how to handle interns right now. So yep, I that's a requirement to graduate. I have three students right now that they're like working a summer project sponsored by uh, someone through the college but they were all had their internships like either rescinded or didn't get one. Mm -hmm. I think my program has internships, but we're sort of a special exception. Um, I, I think a lot of folks are not getting internships right now. You have on-site? Uh, that's the or plan. Is, or is it remote? Yeah. I don't know how they're gonna work at all, all that, but someone, so that's someone else's problem. Yeah, not, not my problem. <laughs> um, I wish I, mean, I could fix though. I wish I could help out. Like I, I really do feel bad that, you know, there's, you also miss a lot from like being remote for an internship. The ones that do get it, like yeah. the actual being in the office and working with the people and asking questions. I know some people, we talked about this, I think in the first podcast, like I don't do well with chats. I don't understand how people could be in chat and do their work and be in their chat and do the work. And I know some organizations live and thrive off of that, but like, I don't know we have a chat that gets flooded and I don't even follow, like, I can't, I can't follow it. I can't. I had to quit the chat. I can't do the chat anymore. Like, I even like sometimes I joined the intern chat and you were talking about like, is it cool to reply with like a GIF to an email? <laughs> and that <laughs> the intern chat is like a mess. Of just just like, like whatever generational stuff I'm not included in happens like nonstop. You were pretty hip there for a while. Like I think you were. That's you were right. I, like, I don't <laughs> know if you can see on the video. Like I'm, I'm a gray beard now. He's, he's just I got the race. Around. I got the racing stripes. You know, uh -huh. I feel you. I have to shave. Telling what? stories about like <laughs> David's been growing this beard for two months. And this is the <laughs> I have to shave. It's if yeah, I was, right. This is as long as it's got. <laughs> if I was growing my beard for two months, it'd be like a, out to here. It's a disaster. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least like your haircut looks crisp. You know, it's fresh. Were you talking about the ball guy or the guy with the short yeah, hair? Yeah, who are you which, talking which about? I, I, I looked this up. I haven't gotten a haircut since January 22nd. Oh, my it's gosh. been like four months. Yeah, we're, not, we're, still, we're still not allowed to have haircuts here. We, we're just opening up uh, tomorrow on Friday. And yeah, we're I've got like a haircut schedule for Saturday. <laughs> Look at that. First you know, one I'm, in. <laughs> First one. I was going to the county next door because in Maryland here, it's county by county. No, here drive like over the county line and get a haircut. Here's what happened. This guy was sitting there. He wrote a Python script that figured out how to like yeah exactly. hammer. He he figured out the input the input parameters to the uh, to the web UI and he was just like I'm gonna just yeah, keep yeah hammering so, it at twelve o'clock until I get my appointment. Are you are you guys going to supermarkets? Are you getting like the the special delivery or like the we, bag pickup we've been I to do, this, I do the, both. the market yeah. twice i think in that since we've been locked down like we've had people go and shop for us to the pack yeah, yeah. To, the, to the point where we've actually backdoored the application my wife will use the application but like we she's gotten to be acquaintances with the person that's with like the first few times it was the same person the lady mm -hmm. like she got the number and she backdoors it i mean that's you know 
it's clever because like we would try to sign up and be like well i i'll schedule something for next saturday and they're like well you can't saturday's booked so i'm like how about sunday like you can't schedule sunday that opens up tomorrow or it opens up in an hour so we would like you can like rest api query like can i get a scheduled reservation i knew it i I, knew you were doing it yeah not you me personally. Okay, you can't myself. stop. You can't <laughs> stop anybody that's so into this world. You just can't do it. And you just give it like you know, you give it a cookie for the request, and the thing comes back yes or no, and you can just try again in like sixty minutes. And yeah, you know, it's like any Shmukan tickets. <laughs> oh my gosh! See? Can you see? Hold on a second. Finally, you... <laughs> someone has said it. Can somebody help me get a Schmoocon ticket for twenty one? DerbyCon, you know. I haven't gone. Know. Um I've, I've gone been, to DC the last two years just to do like the parties. Lobby the lobby con. Because yeah. it's only, you know, it's like a, an hour drive for me. Uh so like I'll go down and I'll hang out with people and not catch the talks. I mean part of it is just like the roller coaster of trying at like noon four times in a row or whatever it is you have to be there like the first of the month at noon oh, like i'm probably already at work. i'm probably not even on the internet and then uh i, I don't know i don't want to do it it's the absolute worst mm-hmm. you have I to sponsor you basically have to sponsor to get a ticket right or even speech. then there's only a couple um i don't know what tier we sponsored it at but i don't think we got more than a handful of tickets i mean it's one of those like, i mean when mass and i spoke a couple years ago it was cool it's a cool event it's a, it's also in the heart of Ad, Adams Morgan, which is a great area of DC. <laughs> Haven't been a former resident of DC. I loved it. Spent many of Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights in Adamo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you guys were talking about like like uh, DefCon and stuff. Like I kind of like the ones where I can just put it on the calendar a year out, plan it out, like just know what I'm doing. Especially now, like family and kids and stuff. It's you I, don't, some, I like, don't really get that roller coaster of like maybe I will, maybe I won't. Isn't isn't DefCon and I mean for for the the hardcores right? DefCon and Black Hat are like that, where you're like, oh, I, I know when it's coming next year. I'm definitely going. I'm going to Vegas, whether I'm doing training or not, and I'll be there for five days. There, there's like, other event like you can go to Arikon. I don't have to worry about getting a ticket to that though, Dale. Exactly. Like I don't have to yeah. worry about hammering the server at, at midnight on January the first. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So else. it's like. It's like it's New Year's Day, and you're like, handing out kisses. Gonna be online. I could be up at nine a.m. on New Year's Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does, but that's a thrill. Although, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things we're talking about it because it's a thrill. And like, I've tried every year to get uh, con tickets, and it's like, oh, man. I feel like lately, though, it's like it's more of a negotiation. Like. My wife has her conferences she wants to go to, and I kind of like put them on my calendar, and I mention what I want to talk to. And if I'm like, "Hey, block this off. Here's here's the deal we're gonna make. Like, you can do this, and I'll do this for you." And then the conference falls through. I've already made the deal. Like, I, I can't back out of my half of the deal, <laughs> even though I'm not going to the conference. You know, like I, I'm already signed up for something. Good point. I, I definitely like the ones where I can kind of just plan it ahead, just have it on the calendar. Well, maybe next I mean, year. Let's hope 2020, 20, sorry, 2021 gives us different. Come stay in my hotel room, Dale. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had Always some open. of the guys that work for me, like we had someone presenting at Infiltrate and it got canceled. Nice. 
They were planning uh, on doing some DEFCON stuff. It all got canceled. Everything is canceled. Infiltrate's one of the conferences too. I want to get to. I've been to DerbyCon. I went to. I went to the last DerbyCon. I haven't been down there. Been, I've been to DerbyCon. I've been, been to, to ShmooCon. I've, I've never been to Infiltrate. That's on my list of to go to. So I like, and then Recon, obviously, up in Montreal. Recon's nice. I don't know if you speak French. I thought I spoke French until I was like, yeah. "Let me give this a shot," and I'm like, "No, I don't speak French." No, no, but I hear Montreal is awesome. It is. It's really cool. Need to get there. One yeah, it, it's one of those deals. It's not that hard. I mean, like for me, I need to plan ahead to go to Canada and stuff, but it's not that bad. <laughs> not right now. No one's going. Where are you going? <laughs> nowhere. Oh, hey, you, hey, you, you ain't going nowhere. I had a whole bunch of trips planned. Um, we did. To, Up in the week of the pandemic, we were, David and I were supposed to be in uh, San Antonio. Yeah. Yep. Nice. We had, we had uh, a New Mexico adventure planned. and Yeah. New Mexico, somewhere else, something popped up on my calendar recently. Not, not, nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't oh, matter. First, DC. We're supposed to be in DC also. Well, yeah. first, first up in Montreal was supposed to be in June. So it was yeah. basically like San Antonio, San Antonio, DC. You know, I mean, every month we had something in through yep. October. Yeah. Oh, well. that, that's It'll, the weirdest thing of like just sitting at home for so long. And now I've like backed up all my like family responsibilities. Like I have to see all these people. Oh. Know, not me <laughs> i really just want to like go on trips you know like i haven't been on a trip all year really because it was like it was christmas and then it was cold and i was like i'll get in some some traveling in the spring or summer and that's all pushed out and suddenly it's like well i haven't seen the grandparents in like ever you know they I have to like block out all that time so is it yeah. gonna be like is it gonna be like multi-birthday party like you can celebrate mother's day sometime in like july or august probably you, you yeah that all like, booked up I, I can't wait to do St. Patrick's Day again. I'm looking for anything. St. Patrick's Day in October. That's, I'm trying to do though. Like we did St. Patrick's Day. That was the last holiday I got to celebrate. Oh no, I, I didn't get to celebrate that. So I'm I'm looking forward to the, uh, you yeah, know that applying that. Uh, we have the Guinness Brewery here in Baltimore now. Oh, you do have one do. down there. You yeah. do. It gets a little. It, it's in it's in uh, Frederick, right? No, no, uh, it's uh, Laurel. Down. No, not Laurel. Laurel. Um, yeah, Elkridge. It's technically uh, yeah. Elkridge, I think. Yeah, it's but it's only I thought it was only blondes. They weren't doing the full real Guinness. They they have expanded. They took over yeah. an old okay. Seagram's facility, and it's, nice. it's so big. There's like 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 Seagram's cars. gin and Seagram's yeah, like Seagram's uh, used to be in Baltimore, and they shut down. But no, they, they didn't. Facilities. Yeah, this is true. Seagram's also used to be owned by Vivendi, which owned World of Warcraft. So Seagram's and World of Warcraft were the same company. Interesting. Also true. How'd you figure you, that out? Did you manipulate the market to you yourself? Free Seagram's. Oh, uh, that that would be beautiful. At, uh, at one SC, point, um, SEC filings, Dave. The company Dave and I were working at got bought by like a, I don't know, venture capital, like like one of those big like private equity firms, right? And it was the same company that owned Dunkin' Donuts and like AMC movie theaters or something like that. And I was like, can I walk into a Dunkin' Donut and get an employee discount right now? That'd be like, sweet. I'm pretty sure oh, they would just like shout me out of the store. But I mean, it was it was obviously no. Appreciate I appreciate <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Guinness Guinness is big. They have um, the full menu of stuff that's only made in Ireland, plus a bunch of nice. stuff like the stouts and stuff that are also made in Baltimore. Sweet. How many times have you been there? Uh, probably like every three or four months. I think when people come into town, it's a nice place to take them. Yeah. Like my mom mm -hmm. has been to the one in Ireland, so when she came here, I took her. Sweet. Did yeah. it compare? I have no idea. I've never been to Ireland. 
<laughs> she, she seemed to fine with it. I don't know. Swish. I, I, she's, you know, she's like nice about everything. Did she start speaking Irish with an actual Irish accent? I bet she could. She lived in Ireland for a little while when she See? was younger. Yeah. She ever call you Weedale? <laughs> Probably. Which is which should be completely like a misnomer because you're like six three. So. <laughs> I know he's, he's sitting down. I'm a little shocked that you knew that. <laughs> I know you're taller than me by a couple inches. Uh-huh. He's, he, he he creepily like marked the wall, and as he walked by, he and, like, and marked it again. I just knew he wasn't six nine. So <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. I'm out, so I have nothing left. I yeah, I think we're done. an hour in. I think we had some great talks. I think this is a good you know seg- segue to close it out yeah, yeah we forgot we, we forgot to do it with dina last week but i did put it in the show notes dale how do people get a hold of you if you want them to get a hold of you, you have a twitter handle do you, you know what <laughs> i prepared for this i'm i'm on twitter i signed on for the first time in like five years i am sweet dj robson r-o-b-s-o-n but uh probably if you really want to reach me i'm on icq at <laughs> At six zero three three four eight eight, it is the same number I've had for twenty five years. You can catch me on ICQ. I'll see y'all there. Look at that. Do you have an aim? My my AOL Instant Messenger. I tried to log on yesterday. It turns out they shut that service down. Oh no! I know. Were you gonna? Were you if if you could get in? Were you gonna give your aim name? I absolutely. I was like, what is the (laughs) oldest (laughs) genius? Uh, I remember I did ICQ three one nine one nine seven five zero. You were way ahead of me, obviously, but like I don't know if I can log into that. I know I had a four a four character password. I remembered my password and it still worked. And I was no, like, it doesn't. I you did not. Did you really remember your password? That's I typed insane. in I typed in my password from nineteen ninety six and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Were there people on? Did you have a message? None of my pending? friends. None of my oh. friends. Like whoever yeah. I was talking to in nineteen ninety six. Did anybody send you any URL requests or any? Uh... Oh boy, I'm waiting for it. I'm probably going to get off. <laughs> I'll send you a couple if I can. If I can log Beautiful. on. Anyway, thank you, oh. Dale. Thank you. Well, well, thanks, Dale. Thanks, guys. Hope to find you on ICQ later. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll add you as a friend. Oh my god, I got bought by like a Chinese company, and now it's who knows who owns it now. <laughs> That's so good. Well, thanks everybody. Everybody, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we had a good time, and. Uh, Stay thirsty. Yes, and also don't die. Dale, thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dale.